and then all of a sudden you're an adult and you're in this really complex, ambiguous work environment with no real support besides your manager who hopefully has your back and hopefully will help you, but may not, right? And then you have no real, you know, no resources really to help yourself. And so, you know, we noticed that and, and just felt like there was this huge gap suddenly in like the learning experience for us as adults. In this episode, we meet Victoria Young Idol. She's the COO and co-founder of Outpace. We learn about the founding story of Outpace from one of Victoria's mentors, introducing her to her co-founder to building success as a service platform. We hear Victoria's passion for experimenting, growth, and entrepreneurship, and how it enables her in her day-to-day -day work at Outpace. We also dive into what product market fit means for Outpace and how Victoria leverages lessons learned from previous go-to-market tech experiences to grow Outpace from zero to one. This is a fun-filled episode that I learned a ton from. We hope that you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. This season, we're inviting experts in the field on the show to kind of dive deeper into the products that they've brought to life. But I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Today, we're joined by Victoria Young Idol, the COO and co-founder of Outpace. Outpace is a platform designed to provide success as a service by enabling coaches and creators to share what they know and help others level up. Before Outpace, Victoria held various go-to-market and product innovation roles at companies like Facebook, Uber, and Netflix. This includes leading product innovation for shows like Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Victoria, welcome to Product Explained. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, welcome to the show. Absolutely. So to warm up, Victoria, I watched your 2016 TEDx talk from UCLA. Definitely a bit of a throwback. Very much a throwback. <laughs> Um, but I'm curious, what's your favorite self beta or mini life experiment that you've ever done? Did you and did you actually go through with that 100% chocolate diet? That sounds amazing. <laughs> I do love chocolate, but no, I did not. Um, but yeah, you know, I love I'm like, very much an optimizer. So I'm always looking for opportunities to experiment with new things and try to make something that exists better, which ultimately has led me down this path of entrepreneurship. But, um, you know, I did not do the 100% chocolate diet. I have experimented quite a bit with just career. I've tried a couple different companies. I've tried a venture studio. I'm now building my own company. I've also experimented a lot with location. Um, during COVID, my husband and I, we moved to Hawaii for a little bit. We lived in North Carolina and then in New York. And then I'm always playing around with my nutrition. So reading the recent, the most recent scientific papers on like different you know, supplements and, you know, foods and then trying to optimize and tweak. I'm very much into that. So those are the areas that I typically do experiment with. I have to double click into the location piece because I know a lot of yeah. folks that were moving around during COVID and you mentioned Hawaii, which it almost feels like a COVID pilgrimage that like everyone spent like a month in Hawaii doing something and then they got <laughs> sick of it. And, you know, yeah. they didn't feel like eating any more poke. But tell me a bit about like, what went into your criteria for choosing locations? Because I heard you mention North Carolina and Hawaii, like those are very different places. So what what kind of brought you to those places to kind of settle down for however long during COVID? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, Hawaii is Hawaii. So yeah. I feel like that's a little <laughs> that bit self-explanatory, but we were, it was like winter and we were like, you know, let's just go somewhere warm and beautiful. And there were a lot of restrictions at the time as well um, at that 
point with COVID. So certain countries had really, you know, tough requirements to even get in or they were completely closed. And so we wanted to stay kind of within the country because it would be just easier with COVID and everything. So -hmm. when we boarded the plane and went to Hawaii, it was like we were able to find an Airbnb that was going to cost us the same as like renting in LA anyway. So from a cost standpoint, it made total sense. We didn't have to pay rent. We got out of our lease. We wanted to be surrounded by nature. I think especially with the lockdowns being in a big city like LA, and I'm sure New York kind of had the same situation. It's just so kind of suffocating and you're just surrounded by other buildings. You can't really get out of nature. So the nature part of Hawaii was a huge attractor. And then we just, we love Hawaii. So those elements all kind of came together and yeah, it was one of the best experiences of my life. So highly recommend. Yeah. Are there any gems, like any places that you think people should visit that's not on their list? Totally. I think we, you know, we ended up living in Big Island for about a month. And I think people typically go to like Maui or, you know, Honolulu, Mm -hmm. but Big Island, I think is a little underrated. We stayed at a very local spot. Actually, these two people, they lived in um, San Diego. I think the um, owner was also in tech, like sold his company and then just moved to Hawaii. Uh, so it's this area called Waimea, which is near some of the top, most beautiful beaches. And it was on a little farm. So we could drive 20 minutes and be at some of the top resorts and beaches in the whole world, but then drive 20 minutes in and then you're surrounded just by the hills and like, you know, cows. <laughs> and it was just a very <laughs> different and uh, rejuvenating experience, especially amidst all of the craziness of COVID. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, this isn't a travel podcast, but I just wanted to kind of <laughs> dig into uh, yeah. your thoughts there. Um, so let's dive in a little bit. I, I, I wanted to start with, um, so you're the first founder that we've had on the show. And I'm personally oh. found, fascinated by founders. I think it kind of takes like a completely different type of person to become a founder. I think it's not just anybody that's like, I, I need to start a company. I, 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 I want to be a founder. And, and it's just easy as that. And there's obviously unique challenges to running companies at several different stages. Like when you first find a company, when you're growing the company, and then to the point where everyone knows about the company and uh, you know, there's all this PR about the company. So I wanted to ask you, like, was this something that you had always sort of considered? Like one day I want to, f- I want to find my own company or co-found my own company, or did this opportunity sort of present itself? Like how did this kind of land in your lap? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. So I do think as a founder, you know, you want to be opportunistic and you want the conditions to really be pulling you versus you, you know, just deciding like, hey, I want to be a founder and trying to find a problem mm-hmm. to solve and, and all of that. And so, yes, I've always been entrepreneurial. Like when I was in high school, I was always like selling stuff on eBay, you know, and then in my business school, I took the entrepreneurship and innovation track. So I did a lot of startup stuff, uh, hackathons, mentorship and for startups. Um, so that was always very much something I was intrigued by just because of the idea of like really solving a problem that isn't fully solved yet and building a solution that is the best fit uh, for that problem in that point in time. And so for Outpace, you know, I had joined a venture studio and I was working on a couple different startup ideas, none of which quite had significant product market fit. And so my co-founder reached out to me and was like, hey, I have this idea to really scale coaching. I know you're coaching, I'm coaching. There's like all these opportunities where we can productize it better. So you want to work on it together. And so He was a friend and a mentor of mine. I really looked up to him. He was previously CPO at Tinder, had a ton of experience and was one of the most kind and like just easy to work with people I'd ever met. And so when he asked me, I was like, absolutely, this sounds awesome. And so because there was, you know, there was founder market fit, there was founder co-founder fit, um, all those things kind of came together. And so that's why I felt like this was the time to do it. 
Yeah, that's an incredible story. Um, Mike, I, I heard the mention of selling on eBay. Mike is uh, yep. also a previous <laughs> eBay seller. Um, I love it. So Yeah, I know. Mike, uh, Mike used to sell computer parts, right, Mike? Yeah, that's right. My uh, my uncle owned his own IT business, and um, I was always like, uh, you know, the person taking apart the computers. And mm. I asked him if I could have all of his old junk that he was going to throw out. So I refurbished it what I could, and then Frankenstein the others and sold the other parts. So I um, love it. I love that you also had eBay because <laughs> I'm also in uh, a, a former co-founder, um, but our company also did not have product market fit, and was a nice exercise in lighting money on fire. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some correlation there between selling stuff on eBay and then becoming a founder. I want to know what the the personal archetypes <laughs> are that lead to becoming founders. That's There's right. Some sort of connection there. Um, so you mentioned Venture Studio. Could you tell tell us a bit more about that for listeners at home? Like, what does that mean? How did you get into the program? Like, you know, what what were you trying to do when you were there? Yeah, absolutely. So a venture studio model, actually a a few major companies have come out of venture studios like Uber and I think Twitter as well. Um, But essentially, you know, it's structured to raise a bunch of money to experiment on a bunch of different ideas, right? And you're looking for product market fit on at least one of those ideas. And then once you Mm -hmm. do find that, you double down. So it's kind of, you know, going in line with my theme of experimentation. I really do believe in experimentation and a venture studio, you know, in theory is the ultimate form of you know, really rapid testing across a bunch of different ideas with capital that you can use to like do these rapid iterations to try to find product market fit. I will say the the challenges on the other end is, you know, it's so hard to find product market fit that if you're starting kind of too broadly, even with a bunch of resources, a lack of focus can really prevent that fast growth and and really getting to what you want in terms of um, success with product market fit. And so that's the challenge a lot of venture studios face. But um, yeah, it's an interesting model. You're kind of like an incubator with everyone who's part of the incubator also operating and building. Got it. And so in this particular case, like you found this sort of product market fit tangentially from the venture studio, right? So it's kind of ironic that like, or correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like you were looking for a product market fit on several opportunities within the venture studio, but the real opportunity ended up coming out elsewhere externally. Is that right? Yeah, totally. And so I think it's just important to always kind of stay open to opportunities. You're never quite sure where they might come from and always keep your network warm because having, you know, being in contact with great people always leads to a good outcome in one way or another. Yeah, and, and timing, right? Timing has to do totally. like so much with yep. uh, with kind of how careers grow and flourish and how things happen. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess one last thing I wanted to ask you about, which now that you're kind of a, a leader at your company, your co-founder, what are some things that you, specifically, Victoria, you like like to focus on as a leader? Yeah, I mean, I think especially early stage, like staying close to the customers is the most important thing. Like I had three customer calls today, and even though it's tedious and it you know, I have to time block because it is distracting, right? Just to like hop on calls, try to keep them at least, you know, not too long, but staying close to hearing what their problems are, hearing it from them and really understanding, you know, what you can do to try to solve those problems. I think that's the most important thing. And then clarity, I think is also really key for startups where, you know, you're creating something brand new from scratch that doesn't exist in the world, right? So being very clear about what that is and like why it's important and what the goals are, are like essential for survival. There's just Mm -hmm. no room to be inefficient. Um, And so inefficiency, I think, comes a lot of times from lack of clarity. And then team, I think, is the other thing I really like to focus on. We've 
been able to recruit some amazing team members from Masterclass and like an A16Z funded startup. And, you know, the energy that you get early on, like you need that team energy, you need that team chemistry just to keep going day to day because that's, you know, you guys are the moving force. There's like very little other external forces to, to really support you. You have to make things go. So having the right people is like the most important. Yeah, I love that. And like the thing that I mentioned earlier around like running companies at different stages too, it just becomes like, I wouldn't say more or less complex, but it's a different problem across these three different totally. verticals, right? So like customers, clarity, and team just change as you go from a small company mm -hmm. to a mid-sized growth company to a large company. And this is where oftentimes you see like some people are very good at running certain sizes of companies. So I think, it, I think you know, we're wishing a ton of success for Outpace and that's something that we will be like following along as you kind of grow your company, grow your base and kind of change your ideas and ideals around these three, these three things. So I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so true. Absolutely. So, you know, we'd love to talk a little bit more about Outpace. It's super interesting to hear a little bit of the background and how it got started. But Victoria, tell us about Outpace. What is it and what does it offer? Yeah, like you mentioned, the, the way we started, we both my co-founder and I had been coaching people and we were noticing so many of the same kind of patterns and trends in terms of challenges people were facing and struggles they had. And so we built Outpace to really help people achieve their goals faster by productizing parts of the coaching experience to make it overall much more streamlined, efficient, and effective. And so people who join Outpace get personalized guidance from an experienced coach who has actual like operating experience and in these one-on-one -on -one career programs. So a lot of coaching programs don't have a clear focus or a clear outcome. And for busy professionals who are just trying to like hit their goals, right, it, it's really helpful to have structure. And so we designed our coaching programs to be structured around key topics like managing a high performing team, getting promoted, leveling up as a product manager. And the way each of the programs works is that we have three key components. We have learning, practice and feedback. A lot of really great programs focus on learning. So you get tons of great concepts. You have like hours and hours of YouTube content but you don't really get to take that content and practice it in your specific situation in your life. And so we've designed exercises that help you apply the concepts to your situation at work right now, right? You talk about your current stakeholders, your current strategy, all those things. And then you get one-on-one -on -one feedback from an experienced operator who has been in your shoes, has business knowledge, and is a coach who can help you through those problems in a very specific personal way. And so that's, you know, that's essentially what Outpace is. And hopefully through this structure, we can help people achieve their most ambitious goals in a much more fast and efficient way. Yeah, I, I love that. I am very much a hands-on learner. So I, I mm. appreciate that that approach to actually actually trying things because I, I, I always struggle taking, you know, abstract, you know, concepts and, you know, putting it, it to work. So I love that. Totally. I guess a, a follow-up question is, uh, how are you thinking about iterating on the product as you're growing the company? Yeah, I think there's, you know, especially coming from, you know, places where there is very robust product, it's really easy to say like, oh my gosh, you know, I want to add all these things. And there's, you know, you can totally see where it can go, right? With adding layers of just better support. We want to have an open marketplace so coaches can promote and create their own guided sprints and programs. Um, so those are all things that we have in the queue, but I do think also at an early stage startup, it's so important to stay focused on what you have, the, the most basic problem to solve right now for people, right? And so we're trying to just solve that one problem really well, 
which is delivering that learning practice and feedback experience in the most optimal way possible. And then as we go, we can you know, include ways for people to track their daily habits, make sure they're staying on track with their goals, like all those layers that really are the recipe for success are things that we want to eventually productize and put in to Outpace. Got it. That's awesome. I I heard, um, so far I've heard a lot around like uh, the main core offering around coaching and then these three mm-hmm. tenets of like learn, practice, feedback. And I even heard at the beginning that you mentioned that this co-founder of yours was previously like a coach and a mentor in a lot of ways. How did you come up with the idea behind Outpace? I mean, I think that Mike and I can probably attest to this a little bit, but like we're, we've both used coaching in some way, shape or form before. Mm-hmm. So I think we probably both think it's a really fantastic idea, but I've never, it's never even crossed my mind to like start a coaching uh, platform or a company. So tell me more about like how, like the origin story for, for your particular company. Yeah, you know, I think there were several factors at play, right? And every time you decide to focus on building, you know, a a product or a company in a space, I think you need to be looking at, you know, what are broad trends in the market that you're seeing? And so you're seeing a lot more one-on-one coaching experiences across different verticals, like Noom has nutrition coaching, Future is like a fitness coaching app. And so we were just seeing a lot of parallels in different verticals that it felt like, okay, we have coaching for all these things, but we don't have it for the thing that people spend their most time on, which is work and their careers. Um, and so that was kind of one of the key market trends. The other trend is just, there's such a huge overflow of like content and knowledge today, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like how many YouTube videos and blogs and you know tweets and things do you have saved or you like mean to reference, but then you forget about it. Um, so there's tons of passive consumption going on. And we believe that the best way to learn, like, you know, like you were saying, it just really is about active consumption and like applying it to the specific situation that you're in. And so that's kind of the other aspect of the, you know, the trends that we were seeing where, you know, there's too much information, it's not organized. People are feeling overwhelmed at work. COVID created a ton of pressure to really succeed better at work. And people were dealing and struggling with, you know, these hybrid work environments. And so all of that came together to, kind of merge into this idea of outpace of we want to create success as a service to make it easy for people to succeed. And how will we do that? We take the best frameworks, we consolidate that into a really easy to use product. We help people apply all those concepts instantly and they get one-on-one feedback from an expert. And so that's you know what we have arrived at from analyzing, kind of just noticing all of this. And we were all we were both also coaching. And so we were seeing this both at a market level, but also at an individual level. Can I just jump in and say that success as a service is like a great tagline. I don't know how you guys came <laughs> yeah. up with that, but it's like an amazing, amazing, really pithy way to kind of like sell the value. I, like one other thing that I was kind of thinking about was like this idea of like coaching this isn't necessarily new, but it's a, it applied in a different way. Whereas I think that like way back in the day, there was a ton of like apprenticeships, right? And then the way that you kind of learned about your job was like you would follow a mentor and then they would teach you exactly how to make things, whether it's like being a cobbler or being a blacksmith or something like that. And then I feel like we lost a lot of that when it became like our work became less experiential and like, you know, like, like physical touch, like when we move more towards like digital work and this type of career where your contribution is mostly around thinking, it felt like there wasn't really good coaching options for a long, long time. Have you guys kind of thought about any parallels between the two or like, how did you kind of evolve and get to the place where you propose this like learn practice feedback methodology. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's so many parallels and that's essentially, you know, when we were thinking back on just how 
like people learn as children, right? Like when you're in school, you always have support. You have tutors, you have ways to like apply, you're doing like homework, right? Like there's exercises. And then all of a sudden you're an adult and you're in this really complex, ambiguous work environment with no real support besides your manager who hopefully has your back and hopefully will help you, but may not, right? And then you have no real, you know, no resources really to help yourself. And so, you know, we noticed that and, and just felt like there was this huge gap suddenly in like the learning experience for us as adults. And so definitely a lot of parallels and, and, you know, there's no, there's very few, you know, mentors are great if you can get one who's committed and actually invested in mm -hmm. you, but it, everyone's so busy. It's so hard these days to yeah. really maintain that mentor relationship. And so, and again, like you mentioned, like no real apprenticeships available. It, it just feels like there's this big gap in terms of how people can actually get better at their job. Yeah. I love that you mentioned this, like the struggle with mentorships. I think I've tried to flip it on my head of trying to find sponsors, like not just mentors. So someone that will actually like, you know, reach down and like pull you up and say, Hey, you know, I, I vouch for Mike, like I'm going to sponsor you know him, him through the journey. So I, um, you know, I appreciate that, like really focused uh, approach. Um, so thinking about your past experience leading GTM at some of the biggest names in tech, you know, how do you think about go to market for, for Outpace? You know, what are some of the biggest lessons uh, that you've learned throughout your career that you're bringing to the day-to-day the -day at Outpace? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, part of why I didn't, you know, start my own company earlier was because I did want to get as much experience as possible at different companies. And it has been helpful, even though it's completely different stages. I do think there's some relevant lessons. When we launched Uber Pool, it was the first time Uber Pool as a product experience like existed in the world. And so we had a lot of product market fit things that we were trying to figure out and learn. And so I think a really important part of that is gathering data and doing a ton of testing as much as you can and determining what the success metrics of that early product market fit are. And so for Uber at the time, you know, when we launched Uber Pool, it was like, uh, you know, the, the trade-off in terms of the wait time of someone calling an Uber Pool and having it arrive had to have a good ratio to the cost savings from, you know, driving, like riding an Uber versus an Uber Pool. So, you know, really working with an ops team to make sure the product experience was meeting that success criteria, because if you don't have that on the product side, you know, going to market, you can send as many email campaigns as you want, but if people have a bad experience, they're not going to keep coming back. And so making sure that that product market fit is there, um, and then you can add, you know, and, and pull all these growth levers that will really help accelerate that. I was able to see firsthand with Uber Pool that, that entire experience of like, okay, we just launched, we have like zero people, and now we're going to go and grow to like, you know, thousands and thousands of riders in the city. That's incredible. Speaking of that product market fit, like the other piece of this is like the market piece, right? The, the people piece. And I, I want to ask you, like, when you're looking at potential users of Outpace, like what does a perfect user look like? Like, what are they like, describe to me, like, who is a person that comes to Outpace looking for coaching or looking to interact with one of your products or services? Totally. It's so funny because I just spoke with someone um, right before this call. Who I was like, oh, my gosh, she is absolutely our target user. I'm so glad <laughs> we got on a call together. Uh, but she Love is that light bulb. Yeah, it's such a great moment, especially as a founder, when someone like says to you, like, this is what I need. Thank you for making this. It's like the best feeling. Uh, but, you know, ambitious, really committed and eager to grow. Um, really focused on an understanding of what specific areas they want to work on with their coach, I think is always 
really key because that means that that person is really tuned in on like their own performance and, and understanding themselves. And so this person was, you know, mid-career professional, had been a product manager at Amazon for many years and is looking to now manage people and continue to grow even further in her career. And so she's trying to plot out the career path. Um, and she's managing people for the first time. And so that's kind of our sweet spot, which is people who are super skilled, ambitious, have seen success, and they're really trying to take it to the next level. Coaching is really great for them just to like further fine tune their skills and develop their awareness. Building off of that, I'm curious, like if they're, I'm just thinking about this now is, is there a good way to quantify like someone's coachability? Like, I feel like that's like mm. kind of like such an intangible thing that I think about of like good employees or good, like, team players are just typically people that are coachable and granted someone that's looking for outpace might self-select and be indexed high on coachability anyways, but curious on, on how you think about coachability and, you know, how you might track something like that. Yeah, that's a great question. And something that we probably want to productize at some point, right. And just like develop like a fine tuned understanding of at a high level right now as a coach and, you know, in building outpace, people who are committed to growth, like I mentioned, which is hard to quantify. You know, I think we, as a coach, you can ask specific questions, right? Like we have in one of our application forms, like how many forms of self-improvement and growth do you partake in? Like, do you read blogs? Do you read, listen to podcasts? You know, are you doing these things already? And then how often are you investing in your own growth, right? Those are all indicators of this person is actually serious about taking their goals and their dreams and taking action on them because they're actively working towards it in some capacity, um, you know, every week, every day, ideally. And so that's a big indicator to us that this person is serious about growth and is coachable. Yeah, absolutely. And so the past three years have been eventful, <laughs> to, to, to say the least. Like, <laughs> yeah. it definitely feels like we've lived, you know, those three decades in three years. Um, I think I echo everything that you've done. My wife and I like moved across country, you know, um, bought a house virtually, uh, oh, wow. we've gone through the pandemic, Oof. you know, great. It, yeah. Do not recommend that by especially <laughs> a hundred year old house. Um, wow. but, you know, we've had the pandemic and great resignation and now this pending recession. I'm, I'm curious, like what, what are the biggest challenges that both outpace as a company is that you're thinking about? And also, you know, the, the customers, like those, those people looking for outpaced service, like what are they facing? So I'm curious on two part question there, but curious your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, it's been a lot. I think everybody's like a little bit tired. Like it's just been tough, I think, to deal with all of the changes that have happened in the past few, when you think about it, it's wild what we've all been through together, you know, like pretty traumatizing in a lot of ways. Um, and so I think just burnout is a big issue that people are facing. I do think I, I'm a big proponent of like remote and hybrid work, um, but it does bring with it a lot of complexities and you do lose there are moments where I'm like really nostalgic for like that, that feeling of being in the office together with your coworkers and grabbing lunch together. Like there's a big loss of that now with the remote hybrid work. And I do think we're all still navigating what the best way to work is. And that's, you know, something that we have seen with Outpace too. A lot of managers come to us saying like, hey, like I'm not sure how to keep my team engaged or motivated. Um, mm -hmm. And it's hard for me to manage them in this remote hybrid work life. Like I can't see them, you know, it's harder for me to build a connection. I can't tell, I can't read their body language as easily. There's all of these complexities that come with this new model. Um, and yeah, I think that is really tough for, for everyone at every level. We've hired almost entirely 
via you know remote we, we've had a candidate come in and we met him in person but it's been largely remote and luckily it's worked out really well for us we've been very fortunate but um you know i think those are all really tough especially if you're scaling rapidly and so yeah i think everyone's facing kind of the same challenges yeah i i i I feel so heard and seen with that because that, like <laughs> I, I've been remote for, uh, I mean, we've all been remote for two and a half years, but my core team being in Seattle and I'm, you know, in upstate New York, it's, uh, and me being super social as well, <laughs> where I'm like, mm. exactly what you're saying, Victoria, of like, Hey, like, let's go grab lunch and like have a beer and just like shoot the breeze and just have yeah. that camaraderie. I've, I've definitely missed that. And, um, I definitely, you know, I'm prioritizing being close to family mm. as, as well as like cost of living. So and as well as like, I, I hated commuting. So, but, oh yeah, you know, but the, so it's like the, the pros come with the cons. And I, I think like, you're absolutely right with the, the complexity. And I feel like all of that added pressure is leading to increased burnout with people mm. just feeling just exhausted. And there's even like the, the terms floating around, like quiet quitting. Um, which yeah. I, I have a lot of thoughts on it because it, it sounds like just doing your job, but you know, it's <laughs> different, different, pro- different approaches to, 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 right. to take it that. All the buzzy totally. terms, right? For all the new, the new trends. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So I think the last question that we'd love to ask about Outpace is, let's say in the next five or 10 years, like what, what would you want people to say about Outpace? Like if they were to give some like clip or testimonial or, or say some positive thing about it? Yeah, I mean, I think I say this about the coaching experience I had with the Hoffman Institute, but ideally they would say this is the best decision I made in my life in terms of helping me invest in myself and getting the breakthroughs that I needed to really succeed and get to the next level. I say that about my own coaching experience because it was like, it really was transformative. And if we do outpace, right, we can make it more accessible and transformative for more people. So that would be the dream. And we hope we can get there. That's awesome. If you're going to stop at best decision in my life, my wife would have some words with me if I had said that about this, but <laughs> because you kind of added yeah, it, it's acceptable. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with the, in the realm of work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put some <laughs> boundaries around that. Oh, that's, that's too funny. Well, let's transition to rapid fire lightning round of questions. So we'll, we'll start off with some fun ones. Victoria, what's the worst product you've ever used? Yeah. I mean, I, this is just like too real and too recent, but we've been planning our honeymoon and I was trying to just like look into redeeming points on different airline websites and holy crap, they were just horrible. Like it was impossible. (laughs) It was literally impossible to use. Like things just were broken. And so I think it's particularly terrible when it's kind of a monopoly and you don't have a choice of other products. And with airlines that I feel that way (laughs) very much a lot of times. (laughs) So I find that even more frustrating, which is why I put that as like one of the worst. It's like you have so no other recourse really, if it doesn't work for you. I booked something on one of the major points portals and like, you're just waiting for stuff to load. (laughs) Like you can't compare (laughs) anything. And then they, they obviously inflate their prices too a little bit. So it it can definitely be really frustrating for sure. Yeah. If if you want to transfer points, it's like a thousand dollars for, for one point to go one extra mile. Like my my wife and I are literally going through the exact same honeymooning, honeymoon planning process of, and it's so restrictive of like, you know, we have these airline points. We, even for us to combine them together, it's, it's such like a monopoly and so much friction there. So on the, on the flip side though, Victoria, like what's the best product you've ever used? Yeah. I mean, I think at a, I think most people would agree with me. Like just the fact that the iPhone exists is like one of the best things ever. Like it's just <laughs> been, it's made every other product that most of us in tech have been working on even possible. Um, so I would say at like a really high level, the iPhone um, but then, you know, and, you know, I'm a little biased because I did work for Uber, but 
I'd still feel like there was something just so magical about, you know, ordering your first Uber, your first Lyft. It's like you just needed something and it instantly showed up in a place where you had very few other options, but it just worked so well. And you didn't have to think, you didn't have to like do too much. It was just like super seamless. So I think at its best, I'm not talking about LAX because Uber at LAX right now is really bad. <laughs> but, um, you know, when, you know, in a lot of places where Uber didn't exist before and suddenly it existed, it just created so many great mobility options for people at an affordable rate. So, yeah. Yeah. I love the pairing about, like, with those two best products. Totally. Yeah. I love the pairing of <laughs> Sorry, a lot of me, I was like, like... thinking about transportation a lot. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, because, like, it's like how, if, if you told told me, like, 16, 20 years ago, whatever, that you'd have a glass rectangle in your pocket that could order a car and yeah. drive you anywhere that you wanted to go. I'd be like, get out of here. Like, that's ridiculous. Totally. Um, and, and here we are. <laughs> Feels very sci-fi, you know, and I think just the the moving the bits and atoms, you know, when, uh, you know, Uber talked about that a lot where it's like suddenly, you know, you're moving something physical with your, with the touch of a button. That's always really cool. Yeah. I think on the show, we talked a lot about like access and accessibility a lot. Mm. So like, one thing is like everyone was like the internet was great because it connected people, but in reality, it still really didn't connect people the way that they thought. Like you still had to go to a terminal or go to a, a mainframe and then eventually a personal computer. But then when it came with you, then you really start, started to see like a lot of other things happening, which I thought was really interesting. Totally. Um, so another question is like, if you were to be CEO of another company, which would it be? Like, what would you change? Yeah, I think this is maybe like a very nerdy answer for you can tell how much I'm into like health and fitness and nutrition with this answer. But I don't know if you guys use the aura ring at all. Okay, great. <laughs> I love it. I've got one. So the people at home that aren't watching, I, 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 yeah. I have an aura ring on right now. I love it. And so I think because I, I don't know, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'm like, I'm either going to help people at the top and like help people really actualize themselves and their dreams, or I'm going to go for the bottom, which is like fundamental stuff where it's like, this is a big blocker. Like if you don't have good sleep, if you're not healthy, you can't even move up that hierarchy. Right. And so mm -hmm. um, sleep for me, I'm like obsessed with it. And really it's like foundational. I got a 90 or a score last night. I'm in the top or a <laughs> <laughs> score people. Um, and I'm just a huge fan of just the possibilities of taking, you know, a very data oriented approach to helping people understand their own bodies and really optimize their health. Because when you feel better from a health standpoint, you can do everything else even better too. And so that's the other area I'm really passionate about. And Aura just happened to be top of mind because I use it. I check my score every morning like an addict. 90 is impressive. I think I've only gotten like 91 once ever. So Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I stay in the high 80s, early, low 90s. Jeff, you got to play catch up here. <laughs> I know. I'm not <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So if you could put a, a billboard anywhere, what would it say? Yeah, I'm like really passionate about helping people just get inspired. So the billboard would say, don't wait for someone to help you invest in yourself and take control of your own success. I think life is too short to be sitting around and waiting for someone to maybe give you a promotion or maybe help you out. Like you just got to go for it to find what you want and, and get after it. So that's what I would say. Uh, now I'm amped up. It's like almost eight o'clock here on, on the East coast. I'm like, let's, let's go. <laughs> um, so um, Victoria, where can people find you? Any, any pluggables? Like what, what call to action do you have for our audience? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to take control of your own success and, you know, I obviously need some budget for a billboard at this point, but, um, <laughs> you know, if you want support in your career, outpace.co, CO, that's where you can get um, started on one of our guided sprints, meet with an amazing coach. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, 
and my website, victoria-young.com. Awesome. Well, Victoria, that was an excellent conversation. Uh, thanks so much for, for coming on and being a yeah, guest thank on, you. on Product Explained. Uh, it's definitely a lot of, of fun. Um, so, you know, we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So let us know what you thought about this episode and if there's any products or product experts that you'd like to see on the show. And feel free to reach out to us. We love all the engagement that we get on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. You can find us at Prodex Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, etc. And let us know who you'd like us to sit down with next. See you next episode.